2: It's driving me out of my mind. That's why it's hard for me to find. Can't get it out of my head. Mr. Her, Kisser Lover, her. this show is poison. My name is Matt Connor. I'm with Sterling Holmes. We got Bill, Viv, and DeVoe. I don't know, maybe we'll talk more about them later on. That's Richard's area of expertise. Uh, we're at the bye week, folks. The bye week, we got a lot to talk about. We got weird suspensions. We have trade deadlines. We also have a lot of evaluation to do here with the Chiefs. The Chiefs have parked the car at five and two. How does that overall make you feel?
3: Feels great, man. Honestly, five and two at this point in a retooling year. Again, I'm not gonna say rebuilding when you have Mahomes. Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, but I was more, I don't want to say pessimistic, but I was more reserved when it came to our preseason thought process of what would it look like grand scheme of things. I thought it was going to take a lot longer for the defense to gel, the youth, the rookies. Uh, I thought, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS getting in sync with Mahomes, that was going to take more time than it has, but they sit at five and two. One horrendous loss to the Colts, which was a aberration. You can just throw that away because I don't think that's going to happen again. And then a loss to a very good team in the Buffalo Bills, which I think uh, it was it was tough. It was a it was a it was a loss to a great team where you say, you know what? You tip your cap. They They won that game. But you know what? It's not the playoffs, so all things considered, 5-2, and I can't complain. Love it,
2: love it. What else we can't complain about? The best sponsor in the business, KC Beer.
3: Let's go. KC Beer Company, best sponsor, best beer. We talk about it every single week, and if you've not tried KC Beer Co. yet and you live in an area where they sell it, what the hell are you doing? Come on. I need to, what, get Verderam to yell at you in a New York accent because you're not drinking KC Beer Co.? Like, you need to try it. (laughs) (laughs) You getting fresh with me? You getting fresh with me? If you want to get fresh, try some fresh beer from KC Beer Co., the Dunkel, the Hellas, the the special release Winterbach is out now. It is just so incredibly good. Uh, KC Beer Co. Light, their new version of a light beer, which is great if you're trying to – you know have a few games during the chiefs game but not get you know you want to remember it you you trying to have a nice little daily sipper that's what the light beers for they have it all go to casey beer co and dare to beer different
2: uh sterling let's let's get the bad news out of the way then we'll get to the good news just before we went on today like like uh about an hour ago word dropped that uh frank clark was suspended two games now, on the surface, they're saying, "Hey, look, this is this is from weapons charges." I, th- I thought originally it was a felony charge. Then it was reported. Ian Rappaport said two um, misdemeanor charges. Look, Clark's holding on to weapons instead of being a weapon. He get he should get suspended for that. I understand that, but literal possession of weapons charges. Does this seem real funny to you in terms of at least like, look, if you get caught with weapon, NFL is going to find you. That's the way that goes. It happens every time. Should be no surprise. But what's the surprise to me is, ta-da, it's November 2022. Now let me suspend him a year and a half
3: later. We saw this with Willie Gay. Like, is this whole thing odd to you? I mean, the NFL in general, when it comes to handing out suspensions, it's asinine. They just spin a wheel. They throw a throwing knife and whatever it lands on. Yeah, that's what you get. It truly makes no sense. There's no consistency. Uh, we knew he was probably going to be suspended, but then you see, you know, Alvin Kamara and Chris LeMans, who we've yet to see any sort of suspension held out for. And are they going to get suspended? There just seems to be no sort of, of, of guideline. It's all random. This could have been handled well before this. I don't understand it. I mean, we should have, I guess, known. And we kind of did know he was going to have something levied out, right? Something yep. was probably going to happen. But middle of the season, you know, Chiefs 5-2. and two, I, I don't think they have a vendetta against Kansas City. The NFL does not have some sort of, well, sure. let's make it harder on Kansas City. No, because let's be real here. They want the Chiefs to do do well. Mahomes is a bigger draw than freaking Danny Dimes up there with the Giants. I know market size is different, obviously, because it's New York versus Kansas City, but the NFL is a different animal. Kansas City and Mahomes, they have a great following, right? They're not trying to have and stick it to KC, but it does just feel weird, and it doesn't have any sort of consistency, which is what I like to see when it comes to these suspensions being levied.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, no one should have a problem with the suspension. Frank Clark broke the law, got caught. NFL's going to going to fine you and suspend you for that. The problem here is that, like you said, the inconsistency of it all, Willie Gay should have been dealt with games one through four. Frank Clark should have been dealt with games one and two. The Chiefs should have known all of that well ahead of time to structure their roster and deal with the preseason with all of that with plenty of lead time. The only suspensions that should be announced, like now, are things that happen right now in response to in the moment, you know, you don't have to wait for like a full legal process to play out. You know, Frank had the weapons in the car. You know, he wasn't supposed to, you know, you're going to suspend him a couple games, do it. Uh, nothing, you know, no one's against the chiefs. If they were, you don't suspend Frank Clark for the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> game in week 10. Right. Uh, honestly, not even the Titans game. In, in week nine, for that matter, you wait a couple weeks and do it against the Rams and the bangles coming up in the weeks after that. So, you know, there's no, there's no vendetta here against the Chiefs, like you said. But the timing here is really frustrating. And on an individual level, Frank Clark kicked ass on Sunday, right? I mean, we saw him. He's getting the juice, looking good. Now a week of rest. I was excited to see where Frank was going from here. And now a randomly timed suspension kind of knocks him out. Uh, you know, of, of the rotation. so
3: Yeah, j- just another poison reference for you. Different poison, but every rose has its thorn because Frank Clark was blooming into this beautiful rose after he the was. San Fran game, and then next thing you know is he's pricking you because he's going to be suspended two games. There, Or maybe the NFL's pricking us.
2: I don't know. I- I'm getting pricked. That's all right. Frank Clark Dude. is a fallen angel. It will happen.
3: As a golfer, for years, I've been hearing PXG say nobody makes golf clubs like they do, period. You know what? They're right. I went in for a fitting and saw for myself, went in to swing the PXG Black Ops driver. And let me be honest. I was skeptical. Well, again, I-, I loved my old driver. I had a, uh, another very popular big-name brand. I love my driver. But they brought me in just to, to put it to the test. The PXG driver, it won. It was, I don't know, 7 to 10 yards longer. The dispersion was better. And the fitting experience was legitimately phenomenal. You know, I went in being a skeptic, and I came out being a true believer. It feels like a premium club in your hand. And not just that. The The ability of, of the actual fitting process blew me away. We went from extra stiff to regular stiff shaft. We tried out different weights on the shaft. We tried different shafts in general. Um, We we were messing with the weights in the driver going from a ten-and-a-half degree driver down to a nine. As someone who has a high launch angle, who gets a lot of loft and height on their ball, I needed something that was a little lower, so we moved the weights to the front of the club. It, It was such a wonderful experience I mean, they analyze every little bit of information to get the perfect fitting just for you. Um, Again, I was blown away by the pxg black ops driver pxg made me a believer they'll do the same for every golfer in kansas city visit pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting at pxg kansas city Uh, that is 7517 west 119th street in overland park get fitted for any club and you'll get a dozen golf balls free that's pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting pxg.com slash arrowhead Limit one dozen golf balls per person. Promotion ends June 30th. Other terms and conditions may apply. See store for details. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to support any dog's health their food. So she decided to create something she could actually feel good about feeding her dogs. It's called Superfood Complete. Superfood Complete is made with over 30 of the healthiest ingredients on the planet, including several superfoods vital to your dog's health. Badlands Ranch also sponsors the Jason Debus Heigel Foundation, which has helped rescue thousands of dogs and place them in loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and experiencing amazing health benefits. Now, my dog absolutely loved this. Um, I gave this to my dog, Bailey, and he just gobbled it up. It was... Uh, hilarious to watch. He's a fairly well-trained dog, okay? Uh, Fairly well-trained. But he literally would sit by where the food was, and just wait for it. He would sit and try and act all proper. He never did this with any of his other food. Uh, so safe to say, it tastes very, very good. Go to BadlandsRanch.com forward slash Arrowhead and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S Ranch.com slash Arrowhead today.
0: VA education benefits allowed me to earn a degree without the type of student debt that so many people face. My service was then. My benefits are now.
1: Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here.
3: Do do you think, though, that the Chiefs had any inkling? Because they knew this was going to come at some point, right? I mean, they knew at some point. We started to see a little bit more Malik Herring. Do you think there was any shot that maybe the Chiefs knew a little bit and they were trying to get Malik Herring ready for when this was gonna gonna happen?
2: Well, you're dealing with Mike Dana's injury in the middle of all that too. Now you got Dana coming back. you you know you can you can give Dana the start on one side, Karloftis the start on the other side, then you go with Dunlap and and uh you know Herring as your as your backups rotating there. But you know, like like Karloftis has held it down somewhere between 50% and 80% of snaps in every game. It was like more like 50% last game. So he can handle starters reps. He'll do it. It'll it'll be fine. Um, you know, you just have to hope that the Titans aren't, you know, more formidable than they really need to be. And, and honestly, honestly, the Titans probably deserve more credit because a year ago, the Titans mopped the floor with the chiefs mm. around this time of year. So,
3: yeah, I, it kind of is what it is, and we have seen Chris Jones actually bump out to edge a decent amount more. And the reason why we're not complaining like last year is because, well, it's been successful to an extent. So Chris Jones has been dominating, so I'm okay with that. Uh, let's get into some Niners and Forty Nine or Niners and Chiefs final takeaways. Did you have any final takeaways from this game?
2: Well, I mean, I feel like most you know most points have already been made. I I just. The level of domination in that game, in a game in which the Niners were were getting pieces back in order when McCaffrey was coming in, when you know when you're playing at home, just the difference in urgency, the difference in coaching, the difference in quarterback acumen, uh, you know, like Nick Bosa was saying this week, you know how how well the Chiefs game planned against him, and you know he just said, I've I've got to expect that and then respond to it. So clearly he was blindsided by Spags's game or by, uh, you know, by Reed's game plan against him, like dealing with him as he's coming back. That makes me go, okay, all, all the chess pieces, I don't, all the chess moves I don't recognize, all the ways in which, you know, Bosa doesn't have a bad game because Bosa has a bad day. Bosa had a bad game because the chief said, you're not doing anything against us. And given the offensive line, you know, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. It's just great. So I just thought it was a clinic on all levels. I was glad to see it.
3: Yeah, just for me, that was the best coaching display we've seen all season long. Andy, BNME, uh, you know, if you want to throw in um, quarterback coach Matt Nagy, obviously I think they're they're, they're a tandem or, or a trio, if you will. They had a great game plan. They got McCall Hardman involved. Uh, I think that was very impressive was the design plays for McCall Hardman taking Bosa out of it running towards him making him not just a make him have to think I mean that's what it was was make him have to think his head was spinning Uh, I think that you you can make a great case for Spagnola was one of his best game plans I mean no no McDuffie right I mean no Willie Gay Jr and they found a way to get it done Josh Williams nice surprise I think he and then when it comes to Dave, Dave Tobe besides the keep throwing sky more back there maybe sky less as a punt returner i don't know but (laughs) i'm tired of seeing him back there besides the the force feeding him to be a punt returner that play call where they all switched right you know where everyone switched to get the false start on the on the field goal to get him out of field goal range was so impactful to me you can only do that once twice a season to get that to actually work and that's if you're lucky but you have to do it in a situation where that five yards will take a team out of field goal range. They did it. It worked perfectly. Some credit there for, for drawing that up in that situation, in that scenario.
2: Yeah, it it was really a thing of beauty. I mean, you guys broke it down really well um in the post-game show. Can't can't recommend that enough if you guys are listening now and aren't listening there, just all week long. There's great shows we want to move on to the state of things at the bye week, or even we can skip forward to the, the trade deadline and we you know, we can kind of take this how we want, but just want to throw something out there. If you're listening, um, if you can give us like a like on the thumbs up on the YouTube, uh, if you're watching there, if you're listening on your favorite podcast player, leaving us a review letting us know you're listening to the show it goes a long long way to helping other people find out what we do um and including others in it, it like it helps all the algorithms and all that stuff i won't even pretend to understand so yeah <laughs> if you want to support the show that's great um but just also want to bring up also and i won't go into all of it but if you want to continue to support the show too slash memberships has all the information for ways in which you can become a member on one of three levels on the site. We have our own Discord channel with tons of chat, um where all of us are in there talking about all of our favorite things breaking down chiefs games answering and asking questions of each other it's a smart community i learn a lot from there um it keeps us up on the news it's great it's such a great addition to the content that we try to provide uh, arrowheadaddict.com or here on the youtube channel and there's all kinds of other great stuff there too you can find it there arrowheadaddict.com slash memberships for all of that information Sterling, is there anything else you want to say about any of that?
3: I was going to add, that we had a question on a review, but let's yeah. save that when we do the member questions. I want to, I want to okay. add one. So remind me, okay? Remind me at the end of the show when we get to to the member questions.
2: Always something there to remind me. Sounds good. Let's let's jump to trade deadline analysis because someone's already asked this, and then we'll, and then we'll get into the bye week and our thoughts about the roster. But um, but we just had someone ask, do you think the Frank Clark suspension? B L ask this does the frank clark suspension make the chiefs more likely to trade for defensive line help i'm going to kick this to you um, because i wanted to ask in general do you think that like brett Veach did not make a trade deadline deal in his first what three three years for four years three years then last year made trades traded ldt away to the jets traded for melvin Ingram, so there was finally a deal there midseason. Do you think we'll see one? And what do you think of his inquiry about Frank Clark's suspension?
3: I don't know how much Frank Clark's suspension will actually factor in. It's only a two-week suspension. They could get by if need be. I do think a move could be made though. And I think it's going to be with Washington. If I if I had to have my druthers, right? I, I, I don't think you know Brian Burns is going to cost too much. I, I've said it multiple times. I don't want to get into it too much again on the show, rehash it. But if I I don't want to pay debit and credit for Brian Burns, where you give lots of draft capital as well as double down with a hundred plus million dollar contract. Someone from Washington, uh, let's just go ahead and say like Montez Sweat. It's not going to cost as much draft capital and the contract itself won't be as much. But Montez Sweat, I think, would still be a massive upgrade and potentially a long-term upgrade on the defensive line for Kansas City. Now, how much are the commanders really in sell-now mode? Ron Revere is trying to keep his job. I think a lot of folks in Washington, they're trying to keep their job. Maybe they're trying to keep everyone right now, and that's probably a poor decision long-term for them. Uh, Is Deron Payne, for example, available for them with uh, the injury to Turk Wharton? Right. That could be another guy that Chiefs could potentially take a look at. I think Washington, in my eyes, makes the most sense. Um, that's the way I would go with it. I just don't think a massive move would be made for a top end Brian Burns. Potentially, though, I think Robert Quinn, who, by the way, had a great game for the Bears uh, against yeah. New England. I, I think they his draft capital that would be given up is not what it was last year. The 18 and a half sacks were a complete outlier if the Bears were going to trade him and get top dollar, they should have done it last year. His, yeah. his markets, it's gone down, quite frankly, a, a good amount. And for Kansas City, that that very much behooves them.
2: Yeah, I I, I like the idea of Quinn. There are a lot of finances there that you got to figure out, present yeah. and future. Um, to me, the move that we've seen Brett Veach make in the past was Melvin Ingram. That was a sixth-round pick going for an aging veteran that you hope – Still has something left in the tank, and Ingram did and does, by the way, for the Miami Dolphins. To me, the move that makes sense with that—I mean, I would—I love Brian Burns. I would pay the price. I—I I think it's worth it. I would love to see DeRon Payne or Montez Sweat. i, I get that too. The move that makes the most sense to me—that is also in line with what we've seen Brett Veach do—and would fit right in with sort of the the committee approach like the chiefs backfield is like we have running backs by committee. And it seems like that's kind of their approach here too, is like we got a Dunlap and a Clark and a Clark's better than people give him credit for Dunlap has more in the tank. Karloftis isn't doing as much as I think some people want to say, but he's still there. And, and, um, and so I don't think you need to like come in, like boot everyone out of the way and here's our brand new pillar. I think this team is winning regardless. So to me, I go South. I call the Houston Texans. I see that Jerry Hughes has four sacks and eight pressures in only five games or six games. And I say, give me this guy. He's in his mid thirties. He doesn't cost much at all. I think it would take probably a sixth or a seventh round pick. The Texans are going nowhere. So they get an asset um, or, you know, they get a draft capital for an asset that is not going to have any value to them organizationally speaking, and it kind of stays in the flow of what's already happened. So I think a lot of people will frown at that. Oh, what the hell? All we did was get a Jerry Hughes. That's it. He, that guy is old and whatever, but I'm I'm telling you, the guy's rushing the pastor this year. He's finishing when a lot of guys aren't finishing make whatever joke there you want. And uh,
3: so, yeah, you know, Is he getting deep penetration too? Is he getting deep penetration?
2: You know, there's, there's, he's toying around. Look, I, I think um, yeah, I, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Hughes. I thought he was a smart signing by them in the first place because they they signed him on the cheap. I mean the Texans did a nice job there. Um, I think he's there. They also have Rasheem Green who was with the Seattle Seahawks before um, he's only like 24 or 25. If Brett Beach wanted to take a chance on a young 20 something and have that same route. I think the Texans have both guys. both should be available both should be really cost nothing. Um, and that would be my preferred route there. I don't know that Frank Clark makes that deal happen. It doesn't hurt that Frank Clark is going to be out. I mean, you know, if you're going to trade for one, you've got a little bit, you know, a little bit more urgency there if you want to read that into the, the situation.
3: No, I like the Jerry Hughes one a lot. Though. That, that to me makes a lot of sense financially as well as what this... Entire offseason, I think, has been about. The, the offseason leading up to this year, again, I keep saying it, and I want to say it again, it was retooling, and this does not mortgage any of your future. The Chiefs have a plethora of draft capital for this upcoming upcoming draft. We've talked about it before. Realistically, they will not be able to keep every single one of those draft picks on the, on the roster. It, it makes sense to try and get a player who could help your roster now, while also, again, fitting financially, not having something you're – you're tied to for multiple, multiple seasons and giving up high draft capital, like a first, second, third, or even a fourth. So to me, that was a really good one, Matt. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think that's where they would make a move. I'm not sure they would like other people may bring up like a wide receiver, you know, I mean, DJ Moore, et cetera. And that's true. When you look at the future, there's not, <laughs> there's like very like sky more, is the only guaranteed guy on the roster next year. And given what we've seen of Sky Moore this year, you're like, "Uh, that's not good. Let's sign Juju quickly or something, right? So, you know, like I've heard the case made for DJ Moore. We've seen the cases made for cornerbacks because of the number of injuries. But given that they're at the bye week and certain guys are going to be coming back, it's hard for me to understand a trade anywhere else but maybe offensive tackle or edge rusher or maybe like all along the defensive line.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: Are there other positions that you think could be addressed by Brett Veach in the next seven days?
3: I don't think tackle gets addressed, and I know that's probably not the thing a lot of fans want to hear, but hear me out. They have Orlando Brown Jr. on the franchise tag. That money's already there. They're not going to all of a sudden, after, what, seven games now, say, we've made up our mind. They want the full season to decide whether he is the franchise left tackle going forward or not. As much as I think he fits better at right tackle, he wants to be a left tackle. The Chiefs have to figure out if he is the future or if he's a stopgap. Now, he's not had a great seven games to start the season. I will say he's had a couple of very dominant games, though, including this last game against the 49ers. I want to give Alerner Brown Jr. all the credit for this last game. I know I've been harsh on him. I've said, you know what, I I don't know if he's the guy. I I don't think he's the guy. He's played like a replacement-level left tackle. He was very good against the Niners. Yeah, got to give credit where credit is due. Andrew Wiley is who he is. He's a serviceable right tackle, and if you expect him to be an all-pro, that's on you. He had a good game, and a good game plan, obviously, against the Niners. And this is what I said I wanted the Chiefs to do when it comes to the tackles. You know who they are for the most part, especially with Andrew Wiley. They need help in certain situations against elite top-end pass rushers. Give them help. And what do they do? The coaching staff stepped up. I think that was a great job. Andrew Wally, you can win with as at right tackle. They have Darian Kennard. They have Lucas Niang bringing in another right tackle. You know, you're not getting an elite right tackle and the Chiefs are not spending money on the elite guy. I, I think they are where they are. there. cornerback, there's so much young talent. I think Jalen Watson has shown enough. I, I think Joshua Williams even to an extent we've not seen a lot from, but the the glimpses we've seen has already progressed a decent amount. I don't think he's a massive uh, black hole, if you will. Like, I don't think they're targeting Joshua Williams back there too often. I, I think it's edge or bust pretty much.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, I think most people know, but maybe not. But the NFL trade deadline is one week from today. So the next time you and I officially sit down and do this, we might be talking about the newest member or members of – of the Chiefs? Maybe not. We'll see. Should we move OBJ to the right side and draft a left tackle in the drafts as Thomas Cooney? I mean, of course, that's all about whoever's there, not there, in the draft, where the Chiefs are drafting. I mean, it's just so hard to tell at this point.
3: But and OBJ uh, ain't going there. O- OBJ, sorry, Orlando Brown Jr. is not going there.
2: True, right. It's,
3: it's not, it's not going
2: to happen. Oh, yeah, after all that Ravens debacle, that's never happening.
3: That's not going to happen. some team will pay him a decent chunk and change to play left tackle and frankly will get paid more even being an average left tackle than he wouldn't be in a great right tackle. That's yeah. just how it works.
2: Yeah. If if you want to play a little bit of like internet detective, armchair GM and figure things out. Ask yourself now which teams are going to completely rebuild this offseason. Who is aging really badly? I'm looking at the Saints. I'm looking at the Bucks, right? Todd Bull has Rams. Rams. Rams, right? Some of these teams that maybe have some aging like, like, are the Bucs going to keep Tristan Wirfs after this season? Like, what good does it do them? If you're – like, if you know you really have to, like, completely rebuild. Or is the, are the Saints going to keep, like, Andres Pete on the right side, right? Like, they lost to Ron Armstead this offseason. Is that happening? So, you know, I, I think if if some of you out there want to, like, play armchair GM, wonder who could be with the Chiefs in the future – you know, you could look at some of these other teams, see who's gonna be out there and available. Brett Veach is not afraid to make the big trade and bring in yeah, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, so um those are just some of the teams I think that could sell some really interesting parts because they know the future looks bleaker than than brighter.
3: Um, this kind of takes us in, though, to our next part, which is bye week yeah. thoughts, and let's stick with the offense, and that's with the – let's start with the offensive line first since we're, we're already on this page. Yeah. I think the bye week lines up very well for Cam- – and you can say that almost any week, right? I mean, we hardly ever say, yeah, this sucks going into the bye week We hate having guys have a week off to get healthy because it's football. <laughs> it's, it's football. It's physical. There's always going to be injuries. But Trey Smith is someone – who has been banged up a lot this year. Orlando Brown Jr. too, but, but especially Trey Smith. Very good rookie season. I don't know if you want to say dominant, but maybe a next step down from dominant. He was very good as a right guard. He's taken a massive step back this year, and I think it's mostly injury-related. So for him, I'm very excited to see him get, you know, full week off, try and get healthier, Right. And I think we might see a massive improvement from him as this season goes on.
2: Yeah, you're, you are totally right. That applies to multiple guys. You know, Joe Tooney has been hurting and ailing. You know, he's on the injury report. Trey Smith on the injury report. Um, Orlando Brown Jr. started the year with with nagging what ankle issues. I think that's right. So I think giving all these guys a chance to heal up for a week come back at your, you know, you're starting to play better as a unit. Um, I would love to see the narrative change around Orlando Brown Jr. I, you know, I'd love to see that middle trio really push for like pro bowl, all pro nods for like Tooney or or Creed. Um, I think they have that potential and now seems as good a time as any to heal up and get better there. Let me ask you this. Uh, Andy Reid said not too long ago, made sort of a vague reflection on, hey, we'll be getting like Blake Bell and Lucas Niang back after the bye week. Didn't say how long, didn't say, yeah, he's looking great and ready already and I can't wait to plug him in, like whatever. But you have to assume, you know, like Niang is going to be the right right tackle starter if he's healthy or he's going to be given that chance to claim that role If you like, do you have any inclination? Like, do you think we see him soon? Do you think it's all like the elusive carrot on a stick kind of thing?
3: Yeah, it's Andy Reid, man. It's it's area 51. You never know. Like, you just don't know. Andy Reid's never going to be up front. I remember the preseason game when he was like, we all know Mahomes wasn't playing or not playing much. And he's like, well, we haven't named a starter. It's like, it's a preseason game. I get it to an extent maybe you're trying to have people at least show up to the game. That's the only thing you can think of. But it's like actual game plan stuff. He's not telling us anything. It's day to day. It's we look forward to the challenge of playing blank. We know what it is. Uh, I like Lucas Niang. You know that. Everyone who, who listens to, to the show and listens to me at all, they know I, I like Lucas Niang. I think there's a lot of uh, potential there. And again, I know potential is a, it's a dirty word, right? It's you haven't done shit yet. That's what potential is. And <laughs> Lucas Niang hasn't really done anything. But I think he has the prototype and the ability, from what I've seen, doing some film work on him, to be a good NFL right tackle. Now, Blake though is an interesting guy. Jody Fordson, very good in the red zone. We've seen Noah Gray, who's improved a little bit here. And then, obviously, Travis Kelsey. Are they going to go back to four tight ends? Because they've done a really good job with these three. And Jody Fortson, as well as Noah Gray, they've improved blocking. They've improved in the block, you know, in the in the block protection game. Are they going to bring in Blake Bell just for that?
2: Yeah, boy, that's. I mean, I think that is a major question, right? I mean, if you don't have to use a fourth tight end, a spot, a roster spot on a fourth tight end, I don't think anyone wants to. At the same time, the Chiefs are learning better how to use three of them. I mean, we've seen we've seen greater effectiveness for Fortson and Gray, even in their blocking. Um, you know, Kelsey's looking as good as ever. There's a real um, – I, I think Bell is still better than both those guys, and if you can add that dimension, especially when you've hurt on the edges, I think it's worth keeping them around. Um, the Chiefs have only dressed five receivers in the past. You don't have to have Marcus Kemp as that sixth receiver. You know, you can keep him on the on the bench and roll with four, you know, because Gray does play special teams, forcing special teams, Bell special teams. I mean, you can get that done. Um, so I do think Bell has a spot. I do think he comes back. I do think he's appreciated.
3: Yeah, and I do think at least – playing again your side of things here he does have a role on this team especially if you want to give lucas Niang, andrew wiley whoever is at right tackle some extra help some chips uh, against some of the elite pass rushers blake bell can fit that role as a de facto extra offensive lineman uh let's go to the wide receivers wide receivers going in the bye. great time if you want to say they all had a great game heading into it but also you can say they were hot do you want him to have a week off? Do you want to keep the train rolling? Juju Smith-Schuster, his best game as a Kansas City Chief. MVS, three receptions for 111 yards. Uh, you know, a couple deep bombs, a back shoulder throw. Uh, Juju with the back shoulder timing throw, which you love to see. McCole Hardman get involved. A lot of the coaching staff drawing up plays for him. Sky Moore was maybe the only one that you had uh, some concerns for, not only in you know punt return, but also, Andy Reid basically said, yeah, that interception was on Sky Moore. Not what you want to see from, from Sky Moore, someone who's known as a good route runner. But again, the, the wide receivers as a whole, they're rolling, including Watson catching another touchdown pass.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Clint, Clint says, Clint McKenzie, I love the team's depth this season. I'm with you there. I, I love it. I love how deep this is. You know, we kind of bang that drum over and over and over again. Like when you think back to the fact that it was like Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, that those were key figures and nothing personal against those guys. And Pringle especially was like a really nice story. But but the difference in those guys being now, you know, Sky Moore, MVS, J.J. Schuster, McColl Hardman, uh, you know, like we're now seeing the results or the rewards of like having the, those depth of target – I think we were a little impatient to start the year, you know, like we kept seeing Mahomes overthrow on, on deep balls to like Harbin and MBS in particular. It happened to Juju as well. Um, And the timing was off when Harbin was running on a, on a bad ankle. I just think there really was some real chemistry issues. And they kept saying, we're working through it. We're getting there. We're almost there. We're like, it really is the difference between like a, a half second one way or the other, or a, no, I wanted you to keep running down the seam instead of, you know, instead of breaking into. So uh, yeah, I think we're seeing better communication, you know, better results overall. I'm anxious to see how teams are going to start to defend it once. Like, I mean, if, if this becomes the norm and these, each of these guys are getting theirs, how do teams even begin to change what they do defensively, because I don't know what you do when the Chiefs all like can still go downfield with MVS or can run the ball behind a bunch of road graders.
3: Which brings us, I think, to the next point, and that's Mahomes. I mean, he's getting everyone involved. He looks as good as ever. When he has time, like against the 49ers, he sits in the pocket, he surveys throws absolute darts Uh, he's what top two easy top three mvp voting right now him josh allen jalen hurts i don't even know who else you would throw in there yeah yeah Uh,
2: i think he's he's one and then allen's one a
3: sure i mean mahomes has been incredible and we've come to expect it like that's what's so wild throws for 423 yards and we're just like oh yeah Cool. Let's talk about the receivers. It's like <laughs> Mahomes is making some incredible throws, and sometimes we're so used to how great he is. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's a normal throw. And then you turn on, I don't know, Denver. And Russell Wilson, who was known as a very good quarterback, can't throw the ball five yards. Or you watch the Chargers, and every throw is a check down to Austin Eckler. Yeah. Like, it, sometimes you just sit back and say, holy bleep, Mahomes is so fun to watch
2: yeah yeah I, I remember last season i would just tweet every single game i just made sure to tweet just enjoy the fact that we're all watching hall of fame players in their prime right now like it just felt like here's your weekly service reminder that someday we'll all be older there'll be ceremonies in canton ohio we'll all be making the trip to that small town in the in the northeast toward Toward Pennsylvania, and we'll be like honoring these guys that were like, "I remember when he threw a sidearm, and you never seen a thing like him before." Whatever, I don't know. I'm like making a a, a Mr. Burns joke from The Simpsons, but um, yeah, you know, it, it's just incredible. It's just incredible to watch him. I think we all know that. And and uh, yeah, Wendy Heron says, "I honestly think PM15's level of play is taken for granted." You know we're totally with you. I think Mahomes has more variance than Allen, but I love them both, Clint McKenzie. Um yeah, Lucas Straczynski, who earlier said Lucas is the worst first name when we were talking about uh Niang. It is a real thing that like 9 of his 10 best passing yardage games in the regular season were on the road. I saw that. Um I saw that tweet that was like kind of incredible that I think Taylor Witt Um, on Twitter, found that out, but anyway, love it. Um, hey, before we move on, I want to go to the running backs here. I want to get your thoughts on you know, we knew it was going to be running back by committee. It's Clyde, it's Isaiah, it's Jet. Ron Jones has been sitting on the bench this whole time. Now that we're at the bye, what's your opinion of the committee?
3: I like the idea of the committee, I think the running backs themselves are fine. I'm intrigued by some of the usage, though. I'm intrigued when Pacheco gets the start, and then you see what? Four carries, and then it's, yeah. oh, you're out, man. You got to get out. Don't want you to get into a rhythm. Yeah. And, and, and that's basically my main complaint. I don't have a problem riding the hot hand, but they don't really even ride the hot hand. It just seems kind of random. It feels like at times Andy Reid or whoever's putting the, the running back in in certain situations, it's like, do you, why do you have Clyde running to the outside on a stretch? That, that's not what he does. Pacheco, McKinnon, that makes more sense. They, they have the speed. It's like sometimes they don't know the personnel or the guy that's in the game at the right time. That's my only complaint. Again, the running backs, it's tough to always blame them because – asking to do something that you don't excel at that partly is on the coaching staff. So I think the running backs themselves are fine. They all bring something to the table. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, that screen pass just, it just shows his explosive nature and how good he is as a receiving back. Um, I think Pacheco is growing, but I don't expect him to be this Kareem hunt Jamal Charles hybrid that he was hyped about in the, in the, you know, training camp. It's just absurd, but, I think they have a good group, not a great group, but a solid group of running backs. And I think as the season progresses, we'll see more defined roles.
2: Yeah, I'm. I I'm hoping that the I'm hoping that two of the three guys. You know, I I think I think Jet's fine. Jet McKinnon's fine. He is who we want him to be, and he continues to be that, and we're thankful for it. To me, Clyde and Isaiah both have the mental part of the game to still. I think Clyde's early mistakes, fumble mistakes, whatever, I just think there's always a moment where I think there's that split second where he's not, like, instinctually playing the game. There's, like, a thought about securing the ball. There's a thought about which way to go. There's a thought about, like – and, you know, most players will talk about you want to stop thinking. You want to just start – you want to start playing. You you want the game – you want to be past the mental part where you can play instinctually because then that's when you start using your four, three speed or your, you know, your, your shuttle time, you know, whatever, like, like that's when all those physical gifts can be used. And that separates elite athletes one from another. When, when you're not processing, you're just playing. And I just think there are still plays in which you look and you go, Oh, Clyde, you're still clearly processing and playing. And that little difference is the difference between like getting hamstrung in the backfield by like a guy trying to wrap your foot, you know, diving in the gap or not. And that's frustrating. Or you see him like super securing the ball instead of just, well, secure it, but also like go. Like I I read someone, you know, someone said sometimes he looks like he's running in quicksand and like, that makes sense to me, not because he's slow, but there's that, thought process into playing taking place and I think Pacheco has some of that to learn too not that he runs that way he's just a rookie and rookies have to learn those things too and so I I think the future there could be good if there's some mental movement on both their parts
3: Let's take a look at the defense. We've mentioned D-line a lot, so let's hit this one quick. Again, Frank Clark finally has a good game, and then he gets popped with a two-game suspension for wielding Uzis. Uh, Then we have Chris Jones, who's been the best defensive player, defensive tackle, defensive lineman in the NFL this season. I mean, Chris Jones, his win rate and the pass pass, rush win rate – very difficult word to say is number <laughs> or sentence is number one ahead of Aaron Donald. That's absurd. Crazy. I, I mean, he needs a little bit of help because he's getting double teamed every single play pretty much. But Chris Jones has been so incredibly dominant. God, give him his credit. Uh, other guys, Chris, uh, Carlos Dellap has kind of been disappointing. I didn't have a whole bunch of expectations, but early on the first couple of games, I'm sitting here going, he looks kind of quick. Maybe it's just the number eight that's wearing off, though, because when a D-lineman wears number eight, you obviously look faster. I don't make the rules. That's just <laughs> physics. Uh, George Karloft is kind of the same way, though. Karloft just looked really uh, intriguing early on, right, on the D-line. But the pressures were great. And last I saw, he was leading all rookies in pressures. I don't know if that was before Aiden Hutchinson had uh, two sacks for Detroit. But the sacks just aren't coming. And I always say pressures aren't all built the same it feels like he gets to the quarterback a little late. It feels like it's a pressure, but he's not really making the quarterback make a poor decision. There's a lot of room to grow for Karloffis. I like the motor. I'm still very high on him. I love the draft pick. He, The Chiefs needed someone who could come in game one and start, and he can do that. But I do think we've not seen the best of George Karloffis so far. Yeah,
2: I'm with you on that. He Remember, he's young. He couldn't even legally drink until the month of the draft, right? Um, so he, he's only what, four, four months, five months in the KC beer, who knows? Um, I, I did see this. I saw a stat that said over the last couple of years, Carl Loftus had one of the best, um, like without using stunts or anything else, just like straight up past what pass rush win
3: rate. It's tough. See, it's it difficult. difficult. Yeah. Say it, it five times.
2: times fast, especially say that three times fast after like a winter buck or something. Right. <laughs> so, um, like, like he had a he had a really he had a strong. They were measuring first year player win rates as pass rushers, and Carl Loftus was actually fearing better than I thought he would. Like much better than the first overall pick Trayvon Walker. Um, he was second in this draft class, and I, th- I. Th- so at some point, that motor is going to make things happen. At some point, the experience of having played these guys again and again is going to happen. At some point the technique is going to be refined and it's going to happen. Um, So I think the effort's there. I think the motor's there. I think everything they want, the teachability's there. So I I thought there would be more splash on the stat sheet, yes. But I also think he's right where they want him to be. And I think his future is going to be as bright as I ever did before.
3: Yeah, the process is there. The results will come later. When it comes to the linebackers, I think Nick Bolton is delivering the results. I know there was a couple game stretch where folks were very irritated with him for some reason. Not all Chiefs Kingdom fans, but a decent amount. And I, my only thought process was, I think it's all the Jayhawk fans that just hate Mizzou. Because Nick Bolton is the only sure tackler. The defensive line was getting blown back. And they're like, well, he's got a shed attack. tackle. like, dog, he's getting... Freaking eight yards downfield is already a dude, an offensive lineman in his grill. Like, what do you want him to do? Nick Bolton showed some good pass coverage a couple times against George Kittle. That was very surprising. I'm not saying he's this amazing pass coverage linebacker, but we've seen a lot of improvement there. Dude is just so smart. Him getting Willie Gay Jr. back. I like to say they're Batman and Robin. You can see they play more comfortable together. Like, even early on, the one or two, I want to say there's one blown covered from Nick Bolton early on in that, in that uh, Niners game, Willie Gay Jr. Wasn't on the field. I don't know if it's correlation, but it feels like, or correlation, but it felt like some causation right there. Like those two guys just work so well together. Uh, Leo Chanel, we've not seen a ton from, Uh, I don't want to really even give him a grade because we have not had a good sample size. Um, but Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr., I'm so enthusiastic for what their career is going to look like here in Kansas City.
2: You think we see an extension for Gay soon? He's in, that, like he's in that time frame. Yeah. I mean, they I'd can like think to. Right now. Hmm. I'm, I, I, know, I know it's a different sport. I know it works differently. But I love the Atlanta Braves approach um, to building that squad. They give guys sure money as early as they can. Don't know how that's going to work out. I know Gay has had some issue. You know, he missed four games with a suspension. He's missed, he's missed like I think at least four games due to injury. Two other times, so there like there are some issues there. Maybe staying healthy, or there have been in the past. But I would still, I would love to see the Chiefs re-up him and extend him. Um, you know, versus like letting him get into the contract year, moving out like like the heart of this defense being as strong as it is. Um, you know, I I'd love to see them keep him there but uh yeah I don't know if you have thoughts there or not
3: I'm always for that method yeah I'm always for a year early rather than a year late Uh, that's why Chris Jones got so much money it's why Orlando Brown Jr. is in the same situation it's why they were able to get a more team-friendly deal for Patrick Mahomes you got to go early even Tyreek Hill's first contract to an extent there's a lot of you know extracurricular activities that that played into the contract situation with him but Going early, in my opinion, like the Atlanta Braves, typically behooves the team. Not always. You can get burned. Not saying you can't, but typically it's not going to be the same size of contract that you're getting burned on anyways. Uh, I think it's a smart decision uh, for Kansas City in this aspect to extend guys like Willie Gay Jr. and eventually Nick Bolton. Uh, when it comes to the secondary, I am so excited for Trent McDuffie to come back. That, the glimpse we've seen of him is outstanding. Teams are afraid of throwing at a rookie cornerback. <laughs> Rashad Fitton's been fine. He's going to be a serviceable backup. Uh, I think Joshua Williams, I've, I've enjoyed seeing him at least get some action. If you know me, my fantasy football team for Arrowhead Addicts fantasy football team is called Joshua Williams Fan Club. I love the draft pick, uh, and I like seeing him get some action. Jalen Watson, he's been a useful player already. And then LeJarius Sneed, Incredible! His open field tackling as a cornerback is outstanding. I mean, the cornerbacks—they have a very deep group. If Rashad Fenton, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson—if those are your reserve cornerbacks—holy shit, you have a very deep cornerback room. Yeah, yeah,
2: I'm with you. I think this is going to get real good, real fast. Because I think I, you know, look, I'm, I'm a huge believer in McDuffie. I think he's ready to go i said before the season started that i think mcduffie by the end of the year was going to be the most talented defensive player on this team front to back um then he misses half the year then chris jones steps up with a defensive player of the year uh you know first half of the season uh i don't know that i would say that same thing again at least right now but i love the potential there i think he's high end um so you know i think he's huge I think Joshua Williams is doing a phenomenal job jumping in. And then the leap he made last week, that makes me really heartened, especially how good he is in run defense and using his length in terms of pass deflections. I think he's going to be great. I think Jalen Watson is coasting somewhat on his, like he was the hero. He was the hero. He was the absolute hero to one win this year for sure and deserved all the accolades that came with it. He has been burned quite a bit like since then and I and I think there's just still that like big pick six sentiment that's kind of carried along there too. He's a seventh round rookie starting on the outside for a championship defense. I mean, for a team thinking about Super Bowl, like like he deserves credit. However, I'm anxious to get Trim McDuffie, Rashad Fenton, Joshua Williams. And then if it wasn't for Chris Jones, we would be talking about LeGarrius Snead as this team's best defensive player, and he would be getting a lot more headlines in that way. He deserves every ounce of of, um, acclaim, talk, praise, anything that comes his way. Um, A hell of a player. Way more versatile than I ever thought he'd be. And I love seeing him. Um, he's Again, he's one of those guys that could be could be um, uh, extended. Yes. Um, and I would love to see that. In fact, I would love to see that more than I would Gay. Um, but, of course, I want the team to keep both long-term. Uh, love it. Daniel Burnett says, thinking about 35, 23, 38, and 21, you sunk my battleship on the field at the same time and man-locking everyone. Yeah, we're, we're with you. We want to see um we want to see that whole unit together and, and, and looking great. Um BL says for Jay Will to come back after that rough week last week and they get that interception was huge. You're absolutely right. He also had three deflections, also had key run stops. I I just think yeah, I just think he's great. Um, as
3: far as these safeties very quickly go, Justin yeah. Reed I don't know if he's been everything that the Chiefs have wanted and hoped for, but I think he's been solid. You know, he wasn't Tyron Matthew his first two years here in Kansas City. I I don't want to do any revisionist history here. The first two years of Tyron Matthew here in Kansas City was – it was incredible. I I don't want his last year here to completely taint what he was, but if you've seen the Saints in Tyron Matthew this year, Justin Reed looks like an upgrade. Tyron Matthew has has been scared to hit people, it looks like. And I've not watched every single snap, so I'm not going to sit here and say every single play, Tyron Matthew's taken off. But there looks like times when Tyron Matthew is making some business decisions. He got that contract. not, Not an extremely large one, but he got a decent contract. And Justin Reed is being very physical. Justin Reed is not afraid to throw his body around. He might not be as versatile as the first two years of Tyron Matthew was, but Justin Reed's been very solid. Juan Thornhill has been solid too. Juan Thornhill, I don't think has played at an all pro level, like he was predicting, or he was wanting to speak into existence, but Juan Thornhill has been fine. Like I, I I don't have any complaints with him. I, I think the safeties as a whole, they've been efficient. They haven't gotten torched. They've done their job. For the most part, there's sure tackles outside of that one game that really stands out for one Thornhill, where he missed like five tackles. But outside of that one game, I I've been I've been happy with the safety the safety play.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I really like it. I think Dion Bush has been a smart addition. Um, I think Thornhill's played even better than what you said. Um, I like Reed. I think he's without major weakness, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you know, we're gonna see Brian Cook come back, come back. Um, you know, stronger after the bye because he's a rookie and he's coming off the concussion, um, and we'll be able to play more there. Uh, but before we, like, break apart all the positions, Richie Meyer made a comment here. I think it's important. We all hope the Chiefs get an edge before the deadline, but what are the odds they get their biggest need? A punt returner. I, I want to talk to you, get your opinion here. What do the Chiefs do coming out of the bye with punt returns.
3: Well, what I would do and what the Chiefs do seem to be very different in this situation. On the other hand, they've won a Super Bowl. I have not. Uh, when it comes to punt returner, I would just put a guy who has sure hands back there. I don't give a shit if you get four or five yards. I don't care. There's not Dante Hall in this team. The odds of you breaking a return for a touchdown, way less than you potentially muffin and having a, a disastrous play happen. Fair catch it. Let it bounce. You have one of, if not the best offense in the NFL. That four or five yards, sorry, not going to make or break Patrick Mahomes and what they're going to do. If you catch the ball on the seven or the 12, sorry, it's Mahomes. They'll be fine. I just want someone back there who can catch the ball. I understand not wanting to completely destroy Sky Moore's confidence, but at some point you have to say he's just not it. He's just not that guy. He's not that dude. Just catch the ball. He's been out of position, which is what's really intriguing to me. It's not just like it's hitting his face mask. It, that last one was he was like three yards short. Say it's knuckling all you want. Fine. But just fair catch it. Just get it. He was also on like the seven-yard line. Let it bounce. Yeah. I, I, I mean, put Hardman back there. I, I, may, I know they say Hardman has too much of a role on this offense. And he's been a little banged up as well. I, I get that. But just put someone back there who can catch. I don't give a. I don't care if it's Nick Allegretti. It was Nick Nick Allegretti just to catch the ball. Put him back there. Nick just, just, again, my point is, I just want someone who has sure hands, and I don't care if they're not super explosive. The offense is explosive enough.
2: Yeah, a, a couple people have brought up Jerry and Ely in the in the comments. Just remember, Ely was suspended six games earlier this month. He won't be able to come back um, until the 27th, which is against the Rams in November. So he still has several games to go, and it's not like he was like knocking on the door of the active roster even before he was out. Like we're talking about a rookie free agent who's on pr- on the practice squad. Not sure that's an answer at all. So, um, yeah, let's. Uh, well, we broke down every position, my friend. We've, yeah, we've Flip. we've come
3: through. I I think it's time now for the Arrowhead Addict Ring of Honor questions. It's folks that are in the Ring of Honor in the Discord channel. They get a little special access. They get to ask us before the show any questions uh, that they want us to answer. So, Matt, let's go with the first one. Uh, Let's go with Jeremy C. first. How do you feel the CB position shakes out with with McDuffie and Fenton coming back? Both Watson and Williams have looked really good, considering the rookies.
2: Yeah, I think I think they look good, considering their rookies. But I don't think the Chiefs are going to hesitate to sit Jalen Watson to the side. I think you have to be more excited by the potential and the leap and growth of Joshua Williams than you do maybe the the play overall of Jalen Watson. Um, so I think that's how it's going to shake out. I think McDuffie gets his Snead in the middle. I think Fenton goes back outside. Until he's bumped by Joshua Williams, um, and then we'll see how that competition shakes out. But you know, Finton's the known commodity. He'll go. He'll he will reclaim his minutes until someone else claims his minutes.
3: Yeah, I, I'm I'm more with that sentiment now than I was even two weeks ago. I do think you brought up a good point. I I may have been swayed too much by Watson's game clincher, and so I was valuing valuing him higher. Finn was very solid last year. He's struggled this year really for the was. most part. Like I, I do, think Fenton's not the same player as he was last year. But he's at least shown what he can do. And if Legarius, need McDuffie are, are, are one, two, and Fenton out there, that's a good, good cornerback group right there. And if Watson and Williams, you at least have faith and, and trust, and they've done it at least in meaningful games. That, that's big. And I think Fenton eventually you would like to see be your four, and Watson or Williams takes that spot. But I think when Fitna originally comes back, he'll probably still get the nod.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Let's go to the next question here. Jeremy Kennedy asks, what's the most important thing for the coaching staff to accomplish during the bye week and why?
3: Mm. I almost just want to say the easy answers get healthy. Right. The easy answers get healthy. So I'm not going to go with that one because that's, that's I think, safe to say for almost any team going into a bye I want to see the coaching staff do what they did against the Niners. I want to see that continuously carry over. I want to see them be aggressive. I want to see them draw plays for Hardman to get him involved. I want to see uh, and allow Mahomes to be advantageous, taking advantage in, in situations where it allows to Juju Smith-Schuster on the timing routes uh, to MVS over the top. I would like to see him continue to, if there's a defensive player that they want to attack on the edge, I want to see that again. I want to see him go after Nick Bosa. I want to see him go after whoever they face coming up. You know, I I want to see the game plan come together like it did against the Niners. I think we can see that just based on Mahomes getting on the same page with MVS and Juju, but it all comes down to the coaching staff, in my opinion, drawing up the right plays, putting guys in the right spots. So that's what I'm hoping to see. What about you?
2: That's great. That's a great answer. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I I would just say ditto. I think that sounds great. Um, hey, you had a question that you wanted to bring up. Oh yeah,
3: yeah. We had a question that was posted on um, the review page on Apple Reviews. So we appreciate the five star review and the question from One UV the Hun. Uh, it says Best Chiefs Podcast. There can only be one. My question is: Out of the entire Arrowhead Addict crew, who can throw the pigskin the furthest? Uh, what do you think here,
2: dude? Who's the Uncle Rico of our team? I'll bet it's Adam Best.
3: Yeah. i
2: bet there's there's something about that guy that I just think, yeah, who Uncle Rico and let me I'll
3: throw
2: the little throw almost throw, 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 throw football over the mountain over there, man. I think
0: that's what I, I think. I,
3: I will say if it's on the move, like if you have to be on the move, I think it's me. I'm I'm a, yeah. I'm a good mobile, mobile QB. If I'm sitting in the pocket, I am two scoops of ass. Because I throw it like a baseball, I tried them a whole. Because I play, I always played baseball, right? So I throw it all like a baseball. So on the move, you can get away with that. When I'm sitting in the pocket, no. And I like angry drunken German who says Sterling's looking a little Uncle Rico at the moment. So maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe it is you.
2: I'm glad you owned this. You're like I want to make sure I ask this question that I'm the
3: answer to. No, part in the pocket. It's not me, and the pocket is not me. I, I can no, guarantee I'm, you, in the pocket, it'll be you. It'll be maybe Verteram or Adam Best. I'm telling you right no. now, if it's a three-step, five-step, five-step drop, it's not me. I'm I'm probably getting laughed. Well, now I can beat Patrick Allen. I feel like I can beat Patrick.
2: Dude, you can't you can't take all this back now. I love it. I, you you phrase these You're like, hey, hey, hey Connor, I want to make sure I ask a question that I'm the answer to. <laughs> uh, let's make sure we get this. And I was like, sure, that sounds good. And then and then uh, there it is. Uh, um. I love it. I love it. Well, can you, what no, about can you? Can you can you can you toss the ball far?
3: That's all I want to know. Do you got a cannon?
2: Yeah, I I have a nick cannon. That's all I have. That's not true because I don't have nine children. Whatever. i was gonna say, how many kids do you have? Yeah, yeah, not at all. I've got I've got nothing. That speaking of nothing, that takes us into the our our weekly must list. Richard, knock knock on Richard's door. Who's there? Yes. What's going on in the in the background there, Richard?
4: This is my bedroom, guys. Uh, last time I set up a bed, I had to improve the bed, so now look at this. I'm in a mansion, baby.
2: I I love it. I love it. Nick Cannon would have Cannon would have
3: approved right, <laughs> this. It's
4: off the rails. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so where's my we're gong? Off the rails
3: Wait. we're uh Yeah, Sterling. I know. I forgot the China symbol again because you guys didn't remind me. I told you I need a text message. I have a horrendous memory when it comes to anything not music or sports related. Yeah, the the only thing that Sterling, Sterling me...
2: remembers is when he's the answer to the question that he wants to bring up. That's why he doesn't bring the gong. If the gong said Sterling on it, he would remember it. If it, yeah. if it had like his name, like a personalized license plate. That's what I think.
4: That sounds about right. It's all about Sterling here.
3: There it is. No, it's all about Richard. What is your must list for the week, Richard?
4: All right. uh, Richard's going to recommend the 2000 album from The Avalanche. It's called Since I Left You. Guys, this is a bomb album. This thing rules, guys. Front to back. Bangers. This is an electronic music group from Australia. It's got like 3,500 samples, and they just create some of the best music possible. So check it out. I can't even recommend a single song. I just say listen to the album. It's awesome. If you haven't heard- Avalanche. The Avalanches, Since I Left You. wow Beautiful. I love it. I, could, I spin it all the time and it never stops spinning.
3: I love how Richard also introduced himself as Richard, like Ricky Henderson. Like he's Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson going to steal a bag. Richard's like, Richard's going to listen to this album. I like that. I like yeah. that third person that you just brought into yourself right there. Yeah, we'll see it. Sterling, what about you? What's your recommendation for the week? All right. This album gets hated on by every single or the majority of... ACDC fans. And I think it's unfair. I think it's a better ACDC album than most give credit for. It's not the best. It's probably not even like top seven. But Fly on the Wall, in my opinion, is a really solid album. Really solid. You know, Sink the Pink, uh, Danger, uh, Fly on the Wall, of course, and then Shake Your Foundation. Like, Shake Your Foundation is one of my favorite ACDC songs. Okay. It's good. So sorry. It's not the worst album. I know who made who's better. I know Back in Black, The Razor's Edge, Highway to Hell, Power Age. Yeah, sure. I could probably keep going. But my point is, this is a pretty dang good AC/DC album, too. So, fly on the wall. All right. I love it. I love it. By the way, did you guys hear the new Taylor Swift
4: album? Or do you guys like Taylor Swift at all? I appreciate Taylor, but I haven't listened to it. Sterling,
3: are you out? She, she's fine. I, I don't typically just, like, throw T-Swizzle on. But you know, you do you. I'm not gonna, I like Hanson and Rooney, so I'm not gonna say shit. All right. I mean, I, all right. I, I dig all kinds of stuff, but
2: uh, yeah, I actually like her new album. I'll just say it that way. Midnight's is great. Um, it's not, I mean, I like her previous two albums a lot more, but I'm digging when I hear the new one. You guys are smirking, so I'm over talking about this now. The chatters, the chatters but,
4: want me to cut your mic, and I, I mean, I'm not gonna yeah. do that to you, buddy, but they really don't like it.
3: From no, ACDC to, to Taylor Swift. It's okay, though. It's okay. All right. Well, going uh, downhill. you know what? City. I, I appreciate the fact that you stuck with it. You go, you know what? I'm probably going to get shit on, and I'm still going to go with it. That's a man with confidence. I'm proud of you, Matt Connor. Yeah, All give right, this well. guy some credit. I will say I did
2: not recommend Applebee's on a date night. I did not do that, and I will not do that. Uh, that's where it is. Anyway. Take us out of here, Sterling. Richard, unless you break
3: Break, take it out. Uh Richard, always appreciate it. And I'm I'm guaranteeing you probably have the best album on this must list. Uh Matt Connor, always an absolute pleasure doing this with you. I honestly I feel like we could do like three hours, but no one wants to listen to three hours of our, I don't know, inconsistent ramblings that go on. Have and nice. everyone who listens, have thank you guys so much. Everyone who likes this, everyone who leaves a review, everyone in the Discord. We really do appreciate you guys. It means a lot. We could not do this without you guys. It really makes a a, a huge impact in what we do and what we can provide for you guys. Thank you to Casey Beer Company. Uh, I'll be back with Matt uh, with Adam Best tomorrow at four thirty Central. Until then, we are out.